0: Fulham Shaw, Conviviality, Debenhams, Greencore, care. The retail, leisure and consumer goods sectors have not been short of profit warnings in 2018. The challenges of last year, when a third of general retailers warned on their profits, don't seem quite so stark today. Within the first two weeks of the year, UK profit warnings had already exceeded the first quarter's total. Within the first two weeks of the year, UK profit warnings had already exceeded last year's first quarter total, according to consultancy firm EY, with many of those coming from the retailers after a truly miserable Christmas. I'm Megan Boxall, and in this episode of IC Questions, I'm joined by the IC's retail and consumer goods specialists, Harriet Russell and Julia Forshaw, to discuss why there have been so many profit warnings in the last few months, and, more importantly, who might be next. So Harriet, looking at the retail sector in general, why might a company warn on its profits?
1: Well, I think we've been talking a lot about three possible reasons. And it comes down to this really, something within the macro economy or the sector itself sort of deteriorates a lot quicker than people were expecting. So within the context of retail and consumer um, companies, we're obviously talking about the health of the consumer. So whether that's Incomes, disposable incomes and, and basically spending power and whether that tightens a lot quicker than people were were expecting. The second set of circumstances is really a company that's already facing challenges, whatever they may be, and they then become exacerbated by these external factors and what you get then is a downward spiral of things. They find it a lot harder to get out of the hole that they were perhaps already in. Um, And the last one is something which we've seen recently, which is just one big surprise, one big error that no one saw coming. And it really comes down to company mismanagement. And I'm sure people who have been reading my stories over the last few weeks will know that I'm referring specifically to instances like conviviality.
0: Yeah. So, Harriet, is there any way of explaining what has gone wrong there? Well, (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's a number of things. And unfortunately, things keep coming to light. It's still a moving story. So this is by no means the entire picture. Very shortly before market closed a couple of weeks ago, Conviviality revealed that the margin deterioration, which they'd kind of seen in the first half a little bit, was now going to continue indefinitely. That was a big change in circumstances. And they sort of blamed it on underlying trading within their direct business. However, very shortly thereafter, they also unearthed a £30 million tax bill that they didn't know that they had, also sort of related to that division. That quickly accelerated, and the shares did so badly they were down 60%, pretty much in a single day's trading, that they suspended the shares. And to this day, the shares remain suspended. Yesterday, we got further updates that... um, The company is considering, along with its advisors in PwC, to do an equity fundraising worth £125 million. And when you pitch that against the current market cap of the company, which is about 185, million, you can sort of see the magnitude of the financial crisis there. Um, They say that that money will be used in a number of ways. First and foremost, they've had to draw down their entire credit facility in order to pay off this £30 million tax bill with HMRC. But there will still be amounts owing to HMRC for other taxes. And obviously, we're suggesting that there might be uh, late fees and things like that if they've they've missed payments. Their working capital (laughs) budget has been pretty much destroyed by this as well. So it's going to have to go towards that. And now they've also missed payments to other creditors as well, so they're going to have to prop those up with this cash injection as well.
0: It's so painful. I'm, I'm gritting my teeth as you as you talk there. Is there a way back for conviviality? Well, I think I said a
1: couple of weeks ago on the company podcast that what had to happen was a complete management clear-out, and Diana Hunter has announced her resignation. That's the chief executive. So I personally would like to see the CFO go as well. <laughs> um, whether he will, obviously is not my decision, but um, I think the only way that you can really start to rebuild trust with investors in the market is to have a brand new management team whose hands are clean. And so far, although Diana's sort of taken the big hit, so to speak, um, there are still a lot of people there who should be being held responsible for this. Um, so I'm not going to turn bullish on it anytime soon. Um, but, yeah, we'll wait and see.
0: Absolutely. And, Julia, by and large, um, a lot of the warnings in your sector have come from that macro trend that there is just less demand on the high street. And it's obviously not just a problem which is impacting the listed companies. We've seen Jamie Italian has also said it's going to have to close some restaurants. So is there a future for the chain restaurant model?
2: Yeah, when um, we wrote a Sector Focus a couple of weeks ago, looking at the restaurant sector as a whole, one of the things that kind of was a common thread throughout most of them was that some of these restaurant chains were having problems sort of attracting millennials because... They're more about the unique experiences and not really interested in going to a chain. And a recent profit warning from Fulham Shore. They're the owner of restaurant chains like The Real Greek and Frankomenka. And sort of similar to what Harriet was saying as well, just this sort of lack of responsibility from management. They've been so focused on opening new locations, even though their existing locations had flat like for like sales growth. And they were warning about subdued trading in some of their London uh, suburban London locations. And so they're expecting to miss their cash profit expectations for this year. And they were talking about this uncertain outlook for not only just the restaurant sector, but the UK economy as a whole, mainly driven by Brexit. So now, since the profit warning, they're going to plan to scale back some of these quite ambitious expansion plans. And any new location openings will be funded just specifically from free cash flow. But this seems sensible. But then when you look at the last results statement, free cash flow halved during the year to just 3.3 million. So it doesn't really seem like they could really have that much room to work with there. The new locations, too, they had been opening them quite close to each other. And so now they're kind of recognizing that cannibalization in sales. And so new locations, they say specifically, will be on sites that they think can deliver above average returns. Sounds sensible, but maybe they should have made that decision. Yeah, it seems (laughs) too sensible, you know, why were not they doing this all along? But
0: But there are some companies which seem to be doing pretty well. So do you think the fact that Young's and Fuller's uh, are continuing to thrive is simply because nice pubs is where the consumer demand is? Or are those businesses being run better?
2: The difference, I think, with Young's and Fuller's compared to something like a Fulham Shore is that you have this mix of wet-led pubs and food-led pubs. And so the past few coffer peach tracker indexes, which look at the sector, have reported that the drink sales tend to be a bit more insulated from this downtrend in uh, consumer appetite than some of the food led pups. I guess people are more keen to, to go out for a pint than go out for a meal. Yeah. And how do the margins differ in food and food and drink? For ones like Fuller's and like Young's, I think one of the benefits for them too is that they are higher margin products that they can sell compared to something like a Weatherspoon's. And so not only are those higher margin products, but perhaps the people that are sort of their typical clientele are a bit less affected by a uh, squeeze in consumer spending. Mm,
0: okay. And Harriet, the
2: general retail
0: sector, it isn't all bad news either, is it? Well,
2: actually, it is. I think what a lot of
1: the uh, headlines yesterday around the ONS data were really saying was, oh, you know, February bounced back. It was this It was this extraordinary retail month. And admittedly, these numbers are before um, the beast from the east. So they, they're not weather affected yet. But I always take the ONS figures, the retail sales data with a bit of a pinch of salt because although price inflation isn't rising as quickly as it was at the end of last year, it's now about two and a half percent versus three. A lot of that retail sale sort of momentum has been price driven and when you strip out the price rises the volume is is not there in fact the volumes are falling more often than not so Really what that tells us is that people aren't shopping for more items. They're probably shopping for less items that are more expensive. So it's really a moot point. And what it proves is that people can't afford to go shopping every single weekend. They can afford to buy things once at a higher price. Um, And that is the climate that we're in. And it's why a lot of these more sort of experience-led, I think, and discretionary items in my sector are suffering because... People just don't have the budget to go out and do that at the moment. And it's interesting because you try and draw parallels as much as possible to the last recession, which is when a lot of these chain restaurants did so well. But the problem is with, with the currency where it is, they really don't have the flexibility to be offering discounts in an inflationary environment. We were in an inflationary environment in the recession, which is when they were able to get into a really fierce discount war and start to really take market share. Those
0: conditions just aren't the same today. So that's why it's so bleak. And then finally, the big question is, who should we be wary of? They say that profit warnings come in threes. And actually some research that EY did for us last year showed that of the 207 companies which warned on profits in the 12 months to March 2017, 30% had made at least one other warning within a year. So are there any companies that have already warned which might warn again or in fact do a Toys R Us and go into administration? Or are there any others which are only just coping and may warn soon, Harriet?
1: I mean, if I had a magic eight ball, I'd be a millionaire. (laughs) That's the first thing to say. But yes, you're right. Very often profit warnings are not isolated incidents. And very often there is something before. Um, However, there are always exceptions to the rule and you win some, you lose some. So someone like Dignity, for example, who had their big profit warning in January, they had not really warned before. They'd kind of hinted in previous results that things were tough and that the environment was was changing for them. Their market was undergoing this rather structural shift in terms of competition and that's what we picked up on and that's where our sell advice sort of came out of and lo and behold it only took them two months after we said offload the shares to to warn fully on the profits. But then you have someone like Safestar, for instance, last year, the window and door specialist, who had three profit warnings in two months, we got out of the first profit warning. And anyone who didn't follow that advice was going to be pretty hurt afterwards as a result this year I've always said from the start that there would be big casualties I think we can expect further pain from mother care and carpet right they were they were two big ones this week who didn't have profit warnings as such but they're really trying to refinance their businesses I mean it's pretty dire I think there's more pain at Debenhams to come I think that'll be a fairly ugly set of numbers throughout this year and I think it's um it's a lot of what I've sort of hinted at in this week's sector focus around the end of the department store which is just talking about how shopping trends have whether we're in a inflationary environment whether we're in tight consumer spending whether we're feeling confident any of those factors just sort of put to one side for the minute and you still have to appreciate that shopping trends are changing immeasurably and there are people that are keeping up and there are people that aren't and you have people who are also setting the agenda like Inditex on the high street you know it's not impossible to find high street winners but you know when you look at figures from even the likes of Ted Baker yesterday even they are lowering well not lowering their guidance but they're saying that they're going to aim for the bottom end of that guidance now because they're cautious they know that it's tough they know that it's difficult and when you have someone like ted who is known on the market for being this consistent outperformer they've delivered profit growth consistently for years so when someone like them is even admitting how hard it is you've got to
0: you've got to take that on board Mm, it's tough on the high street and julia how about in the consumer goods and leisure sector
2: I think we could be in store for some more bad news from Greencore. A couple of weeks ago, they had a profit warning as well. And sort of for similar reasons to Fulham Shore, even though they're quite different businesses. Greencore is convenience foods, whereas um, Fulham Shore is restaurant chains. But they were warning that they have all of this excess capacity in the U.S. market right now. And it's just not being used. They In December 2016, they bought... Peacock Foods in an effort to kind of expand their US footprint. But ever since then, it just sort of seems to be a stream of bad news. And now they've come out and said that they've got these big facilities in the US and they're just not being used. They're just sitting there. And so they've got about, they said, about two and a half million square feet of manufacturing space that's just not doing anything right now. And so they're looking at restructuring the US business right now. But One of the sites, the one in Jacksonville, they've been saying they lost a big contract there uh, last year. And so that's been why it's been so tough there. And they keep promising that these new contracts are going to come through. And it seems like every update it's going to be, no, really, guys, like the contracts are going to come through this time. And it just isn't happening yet. So at the last update, some analysts were saying that they were throwing in the towel because they think that management credibility is now clearly damaged. It doesn't look promising at this point. Well, there
0: you go. Beware of green core, mother care, carpet right, but maybe don't give up hope on the sector altogether. Harriet, Julia, thanks so much for your insights. And thank you for listening. For more icy podcasts, head to our website or subscribe on ACAST.
1: ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend.